Good morning, Heartland. It is so good to be in this building again after nine months. And I know that you are not physically here with me, but I feel here with you and I am so grateful. Let's begin by sharing the peace with each other. May the peace of the Lord be with you and also with you. Please share a sign of peace with someone near you, whether that be someone with two legs or four. Nacho is with me here today. It is good. It is good to be a child of God. It is good to worship together. It is good to be part of a, a body of believers who, frankly, has helped me figure out how to be here with you because of serious health concerns and a very tiny bubble. I am deeply grateful for our tech team and our pastors and our worship team for helping me figure out how I can do what I so love doing, which is sharing time with you. So before we get into the word of God, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day, for the days that have filled the last year that has now passed into history books and the days that will fill the year ahead and onward. May we live each day aware of your grace and your glory and your presence. Be with me as I share the word this morning. Amen. So before I share the passage that I have selected for you and for us to look at today, I want to tell you a story. So I, I was going back through my memories of, of times up here in this pulpit, and I don't believe I have shared this one. Back in the 90s when I was, frankly, young, I did some really cool things in the summer, and one of the very coolest was signing up with a Christian organization called Summit Expeditions. They're based in the Sierra Nevada mountains in California, and they set up um, what you can consider like outward bound physical challenge type uh, trips for different people um, to go into the mountains and experience um, open air camping, um, campfire cooking, um, rappelling and rock climbing, all kinds of things like that, all with an eye of getting closer to God and to growing our faith. And back in the 90s, uh, they had a group for people with disabilities. Um, they were taking a trip with that. And a good friend of mine from grad school here at Purdue, um, who is not disabled, um, she, she saw that with me and she's like, let's do this, let's do this. Um, and so we signed up and I, of course, um, and blind and I didn't have a guide dog then, um, but I was really excited to get out and try um, this wilderness experience with my friend Kristen. Well, we were both en route to uh, California when we found out that um, the other participants in our trip had canceled. So it would just literally be me and Kristen and then the two guides from the organization. Um, but we were still very excited. So we got there and oh my word, it was, it was a, a fascinating several days. Um, but the really coolest part of it all was the rock climbing. 
Um, so if you've ever been, you know, you're, you're roped in and you, you learn belay, which is, you know, checking with the person holding the other end of your rope and you go upward. And, and if you've ever done even climbing in a climbing gym, you know, it's all about handholds and footholds and balance and, and strength and all of that. And my word, I loved it. I loved it. I had strong legs and strong fingers and it was all touch little added benefit as I went up. I am blind. I had no idea how high I was. So I was not afraid and it was incredible. Loved it. The last day of our trip though, was the opposite of going up. It was going down. It was repelling. So we hiked up the backside of a mountain of the path, and then we prepared to repel down the flat side of this rock face. And rappelling down is what you've probably seen in the movies, maybe some of you have done it, where you step backward off of the cliff and you kind of bounce your way down. It's, it's not free fall because you're attached to ropes and, and you do a controlled descent, but you're not using your hands and your feet and your own strength for this. Um, you're using the trust of the person manipulating the rope at the top um, and you're, you're bouncing downward. You know, you're flowing down. It's like a, a flight experience. And that was a whole different deal for me than going up. In the rock climbing, I was so in control. It was me and that mountain. In the stepping back off of a cliff and dangling on a rope, I felt absolute panic. I felt such terror. I was so afraid. I did ultimately convince myself to go ahead and do it. And the whole way down as people from the top and the bottom were shouting encouragement, I just wanted it to be done. I was not happy and I felt so alone and it was dreadful. Kristen was waiting for me at the bottom and she hugged me and I promptly turned to the side and, and I was sick. I was just physically ill. It was so much. And that night around the campfire, I did what I often do when I'm sad and upset. I curled up into myself and I wasn't talking. And one of the leaders in our group, one of the two people with us on our trip, pulled out his Bible and he began to read Psalm 121. It's a familiar Psalm. You'll recognize it. It's the one I've chosen for today. And in his reading, in his delving into the word and in his exploration of a psalm that I needed so desperately that night, I found strength and I hope that you will find it here today. So please listen to Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your feet go out from under you. He who watches over you will not sleep. Listen, he who watches over Israel will not close his eyes or sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your safe, cover at your right hand. 
The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon harm you by night. The Lord will keep you from all that is sinful. He will watch over your soul. The Lord will watch over your coming and going now and forever. In that beautiful psalm, which I am sure rings a chord to you, whether you have been mountain climbing or rappelling or not, there is much that we can dig through. And pastors Brandon and Stephanie have before walked us through other psalms. And psalms, of course, are mostly from the voice of David. They are pleas and they are praises and they are the, the poetry of the Bible. And here we see a lot that is poetic, but there is more. There is quite a bit here in this beautiful and brief psalm. I want to note, of course, as the English teacher, that the psalm begins with a future tense declaration. Where will my help come from? I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where will my help come from? Future tense, of course, is looking forward as we so apt are to do, not just on the first Sunday of a new year, but many times. We are rarely content in the present. In fact, we do a whole lot more living in the past. But looking forward with the future tense is where this psalm begins. And that, in a very quiet, grammatical way, puts our focus forward. And the psalm also puts our focus upward because mountain is there from the very beginning. Of course, mountains on this earth are the highest thing on which we can stand, highest physical thing anyway. And when we are doing our daily living, a mountain would always, in most cases, unless we are you know, a, a guide on Mount Everest, helping people you know, do the, that high summit, a mountain is always gonna be higher than where we are. And so this psalmist right away lifts our eyes upward. And it is, of course, upward into heaven and into the face of God, where our gaze always should be anyway. It looks at the beginning of this psalm like we have a rhetorical question. Where will my help come from? Rhetorical questions, again, English teacher time, are questions that are not meant to be answered out loud. They're meant to be contemplated in the mind, in the heart. And therefore, they're more philosophical, they're more introspective, and it looks like we have that going on at the beginning. But then there is an answer, my help will come from the Lord. And when that first apparent rhetorical question is answered, where will my help come from? My help will come from the Lord. That changes a rhetorical question into one that has certainty. My, not my help will probably come from the Lord or my help will likely come from the Lord. No, my help will come from the Lord. It is certainty. It is confirmation. It is immediately at that part of Psalm 121 that the pronoun, sorry, English teacher is still here. The pronoun changes from first person I to you. I to you. All of the pronouns from that point onward are you, your, they're focusing on the reaching out, the ministry to someone else. And how often do we get hooked and caught and stuck in the I world, I this, I that. We even hear somebody's 
story of sorrow and trial, and our answer is way too often, I, I, I. But the psalmist here switches right away from the opening I to you. You are not alone. You are being watched over. You are in the presence of God. That switch is powerful because then we not only can identify with the I, the speaker here, but then we become jointly the minister and the ministered to. We can listen to this and be assured of it. And we also can picture ourselves speaking these words of assurance onward. That makes this psalm even more powerful. The psalm talks about some physical issues. The Lord will not let your feet go out from under you. And in the middle of winter here, I think we're, we're pretty much picturing slipping on ice for that. But it is a nice reminder that our God is not just a God of the spiritual realm, that he cares for us, mind and spirit and body. He is aware of our needs and he is watching out for those things too. And the word watch is repeated in this psalm so many times, three consecutive sentences. Um, you are being watched over, watch, watch, watch. When a word is repeated so much, we can't help but draw our attention to it. And so many other places in the Bible emphasize that constant presence and awareness of our God as well. This psalm magnifies that too. The sun and moon are talked about here, that we shall not be harmed by the sun nor by the moon, by the day nor by the night. That again, sun and moon lifting our eyes upward, further anchoring in our focus on God, and also the brightness, the ever-present glow of the sun or the moon. Such a warm and comforting reminder that there is light in the darkness. The psalm also talks about God watching over our spiritual angle um, because it says that, that he is watching out for our soul, protecting our soul. So not just our physical earlier in the psalm, but also our hearts, our spirits. God is aware of it all. And then, of course, it concludes with a, a trio of words that I happen to love, the now and forever, now and forever, that anchors in the present and into the future, that anchors in this temporal, this world that is not absolutely continuous and promised to us day to day, and it anchors into the eternity that is promised to us forever. It's a beautiful psalm. And when I read it, I do think of that night sitting around that campfire in California. But I also can find inside of it three takeaways, three applications that I want to share with you today on this first Sunday of 2021. Three things that I think we would all be wise to hold on to as we enter this new year. First, this psalm emphasizes that we will have valleys. We will have valleys. And you're like, wait a minute, Kathy, the word valley is not even in this psalm. And it is not. That is correct. But in the presence of a mountain, there must be a valley. A mountain cannot exist without a valley. It is physically impossible. And in our lives, the same is true. 
we will have the mountaintop experiences, the times of exuberant joy and gratitude, where we are lifted up, we are joyful, and we are celebrating with those we love. We have accomplished something, or, or we have uh, come into a new phase in our lives that where we feel satisfied and, and full, and that we are purposefully giving what we are meant to give to this world. Those mountaintop experiences exist, but my friends, as you know, the valleys exist too. Without the mountains, there wouldn't be valleys. Without valleys, there wouldn't be mountains. And I believe 2020 did a pretty good job of reminding us of that truth. And yet this psalm, even though it tells us very clearly that there will be mountains, it doesn't leave us there. It elaborates a little bit on what some of those mountains and valley relationships and the promise that there will be valleys what those will be like, because it refers to slipping, you know, when our feet go out from under us and where the, the ground we are standing on is not stable and secure. I think we've all been on part of a journey where that feels true, where there isn't clear certainty, where the next step is not guaranteed, where when we put our feet down, our literal feet, or our spiritual, mental, emotional feet, we are not certain that we will have stable ground underneath us. And we often find the ground is not stable. It also talks about exhaustion. And oh man, I think we can all identify with that pretty easily. Sometimes it is so tiring to be hopeful and faithful and joyful. Sometimes it is so hard to keep our energy focused forward on what God would have us do. And that exhaustion is a valley. And then fear. We know what fear feels like. We know fear from a little virus to a huge threat to our lives and the two things being simultaneously true. We know fear when elements such as cancer or betrayal or loneliness, or poverty, all of those things and so many others crowd in around us. And those times are valley times. This psalm underlines that there will be valleys, and that is part of our walk on this earth. The second application is that God is present. God is present. You can't read Psalm 121 and come away with any message about God other than that. God is present. As much as there are valleys, and that is clear in the psalm, God is present in our lives and he cares about our lives. He is the remedy for the slip, the time when our feet are not stable. He is the one who will give us balance. He is the remedy for the times when we are so exhausted that it is hard to carry on. He will give us strength. He is remedy for when we are afraid, when it is too terrifying to step forward or backward off the edge of a cliff. God is present and he will give us courage. 
the repeated word watch. Remember I mentioned that earlier? It is woven throughout this psalm. And the God who loves us, the God who made us, the God who sent his son as a baby on Christmas morning to save us, he is not going to watch us fall without being there as we stand up and keep going. God is present, and this psalm trumpets that truth in a beautiful and profound way. The third and final application to pull out from this psalm is this. We will have valleys, and God is present there too. We will have valleys, and God is present there too. You might be thinking, wait a minute. Like, how does a valley and a God of might and power and love, how do those two things coexist simultaneously? Back again in the English world, we call that kind of contradiction uh, oxymoron. You know, like when you order jumbo shrimp at a restaurant? That is what this seems. Like, how can it be true that we will have valleys as Christians, as believers, and that God is present in those valleys too. Friends, this psalm is all about that kind of contrast. If you look just alone in this psalm, those contrasts are here prominently. Sleep and wake, sun and moon, coming and going, and oh, can we think of so many more. Joy and sorrow, community and loneliness, hope and devastation, life and death. We could go on and on. Our lives as believers are full of those kinds of contrasts, those things that seem hard to justify as being true at the same time, and yet joyfully, exuberantly, mountaintop shouting truth is that in God's love and wisdom and constant care for us, it is true. We will have valleys and God is present there too. When we are slipping, when we are tired, when we are afraid, God is still there. It doesn't take our awareness of him for it to be true. Friends, he is always there. Isn't it wonderful and mighty and awesome that it isn't up to us and our sensation of his presence to confirm that he is there? He is there. Whether we feel him like we feel the breeze on the top of a mountain or whether we are curling up and being ill with fear in the valley. God is present, and that is what faith is. That is what believing that we are not alone is all about. That is what it means to step up to the edge of a mountain, to turn your back on it, to step backward, holding onto the rope, and to know that God 
is present. Where will my help come from? My help will come from the Lord. Where will your help from? Your help will come from the Lord. It would be a missed opportunity to not say a few things about the year 2020 here as I close this message. There were so many times this year where it probably felt like the valley was permanent, persistent, and absolutely pressing us down into nothingness. I will join you in that. I fought deep, dark shadows, and I know you did too. And yet, as I scroll through Twitter or Facebook, it bothers me a little bit to see the determined uh, focus that everyone is having, that 2021 is going to be better, that forget 2020, let's just wipe it off the map. Friends, I'm of the conviction that if we forget 2020, we will have missed a grand opportunity to not just be better as human beings, but to be better as we walk through the mountains and valleys of this life as Christians. Was every single part of 2020 horrendous and horrible and terrifying and unsettling? No. Were many parts? Yes. But God was there in all of those. In the times when we were terrified, when we lost people dear to us, when we saw such unrest, and when we felt such pain. And God was also there when we realized what we needed to do to care for each other. The card, the text, the phone call, the singing of Christmas songs outside of the windows of a nursing home, the loving, extraordinary actions of people who moved mountains to show that they loved others. If we enter 2021, which is a number that we recognize that God is not paying attention to, with the idea that everything about 2020 needs to go in the rearview mirror and we need to forget it, oh, then I wonder how we will do when we enter the next valley. Will we not have some strength and some wisdom that we learned? some joy and some warmth in the memories that did still bring joy in 2020? Will we be able to look up to the mountain that is beside us and know that we will be up there again because in 2020, we did because God was with us in the valleys and on the mountaintops? I encourage you, as you step into this new year, to step boldly in the arms of the loving Father who does not carry a calendar, but carries the loving promise that he gave us on Christmas morning, that in the mountains and the valleys, he will be with us now and forever. Let's pray. Lord, give us this time 
as we reflect backward, as we sink into the present, and as we look forward, to turn our eyes always toward you and to remember that we are never, ever alone. In your name, amen. It is time for the prayers of the people. And since we are not physically together, I'm going to offer a prayer that touches upon many different areas, some of which will surely reflect needs and joys in your life. I ask you to bow your head and join with me as I pray. Lord, as we start into this new year, help us remember those who are in need, tied to pandemic situations, those who are ill in the hospital or struggling at home, those who are caring for those in the hospital or at home, the scientists who are developing tools and a community and a broader society that is weary and yet hopeful. Be with us always and everyone in those situations. Be with teachers and students as the year continues to unfold in ways that neither group could ever imagine. They need your strength and your wisdom and your creativity and your resilience and be with the administrators and school boards who try to make decisions that are the best for everybody in a situation where it will never be right for all. Help the schools of all levels, from little children all the way through the university levels, find a way forward so that they may function and help others grow while they stay safe and take care of each other. Lord, I ask your blessing on those who are ill, fighting cancer, addiction, or other ailments. I ask that you be with those who are lonely and sad. I ask that you build community around all of those who need it in ways that perhaps we have not yet fully explored. Help us all to feel your presence and to know that you are with us in that community, whatever it looks like. Lord, I ask you to be with churches, church leaders, and church congregations. There are so many complicated elements to the existence of humanity right now, and yet what has not changed is that you are with us. Help us to remember that we as humans make the very best decisions we can And the very best decision of all is to live in love with you as our center and finding ways to reflect your love out to those around us. Lord, I ask your continual blessing on a world that is so broken, a world that exists with pain and poverty and loss and division, and also exists with hope and joy, and peace, and faith. May that contrary truth be aware and alive in our minds as we try to live with our eyes continually focused on you. In your name, amen.
We thank you for the continued support of this church with offerings that can be communicated and transmitted to the church in the same ways as they have been for the last several months. The ministries of this church are dependent on our constant awareness that we must take care of each other. Instead of the doxology, can we please join together and say the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we prepare to leave this time of worship and to go into a world that needs the love of God, as we step into 2021, and as we know that there will be mountains and valleys ahead, I give you this final benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace now and forever, now and forever, now and forever. Amen.